Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Delta asks for government help in creating the Do Not Fly list, and we tell you about a new baggage policy that could cost the overpacked traveler serious extra cash. Those in stories sm- in- <laughs> Those stories are next in the news. <laughs> in our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, Mark has some tips on getting the lowest airfares. Might seem like an old story, but Mark said he found one tip that he had never heard of before. Can't wait to hear what that is. At 335, we have the stories of two longtime tourist attractions in our state that are facing challenging times. One a railroad and one a ship. At 345, we have a first-person tale of riding Amtrak trains, along with lots of tips to make you a smarter train traveler. Welcome to Sacramento's favorite travel radio show. Okay, full disclosure, it's Sacramento's only travel radio show. We're just here having fun. We are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. No, wait. <laughs> Hello, my friends. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. It's a fabulous Sunday afternoon, and we're back. You can follow along at TravelGuysRadio.com. Links to special guests and so much more can be found there 24-7. Mark, good to see you, my friend. How are you, and how's things in the world of Sports Leisure Vacations? Nice to FaceTime back at you. Um, how are things in the world of sports leisure vacations? They are good. They are good. We sent out our, our newsletter about uh, 10 days ago, and sales have been very good. Um, there are, isn't a lot of space left on a lot of things because I'm sure, like many travel companies, the schedule we announced was reasonably conservative. And so that has put space at somewhat as a pre- of a premium as people are starting to come out of the, the COVID thing, we hope, for the final time. And uh, I was kind of busy last week trying to get some things taken care of here ahead of I'm going to have some time off next week, have a hip replacement tomorrow. Oh, oh just a hip replacement. That's yeah. all, huh? Half yeah. of a new butt. Um, <laughs> and uh, get the other the bi- half later in the year. All right. So you'll be working on becoming the bionic man. That's all right. The, that's are, the are deal. You? Yeah, I'll never I'll never again be able to pass through a screening at at. I'll never be able to pass through one of the uh, things at TSA ever again because I'll have that titanium piece that, you know, pretty soon I'll have two or three of them. Probably before it's all over, I'll have, you know, a dozen of them. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's <laughs> going to be a lot of disclosure on your part moving uh-huh. forward. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, myself, my family, and uh, I'm sure all of our, our listeners wish you well and look forward to a week from today. 
yeah. uh, to, to, for you to be back on the radio and uh, with the different medications you're on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that should, be, see, that should be a blast. <laughs> we're, we're curious to see how you're going to be sounding. <laughs> All right, my friends, with that being said, at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the latest, here's Mark. Yeah. Got to get uh, some new parts so I can keep up with the people I travel with, basically. Uh, the, Hawaii, the Hawaii legislature has come up. With, this is something that's been floating around in a few other places. But specifically in Hawaii, they're looking at a bill that would ban single-use plastic uh, hotel condiment. You know, things that where you the, the conditioner and the shampoo and everything so that it would go only on the wall. Now, this has been happening in a lot of places already. First of all, it saves the hotel a lot of money. Um, it's For some people, it's kind of creepy to use the same stuff that the person before used, I guess. Um, I well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about soap on the wall that mm-hmm. comes out of a dispenser. I I have no yeah. problem with that. That's, yeah. And I'm pretty picky. I mean, that, no, that's fine. not you. Not me. Yeah, no, no. I kind of <laughs> like the uh, the dispensers and the showers. I wish I could get one of those for my for my house. Uh, uh-huh. But I yeah. couldn't get it off the wall at the uh, you know at the residence <laughs> inn. So I I don't have one yet. <laughs> Well, and the reason, of course, that this is important is because there are a gazillion of those little plastic containers. And as much as we all like to hoard them and bring them home, here at Sports Leisure, what we do is frequently when we have trips that are uh, over-the-road coach tours, because sometimes flying with a whole lot of those little bottles is asking for trouble. Um, If one of them blows up in your suitcase, it's not pretty. But uh, we collect them, and then we have someone who comes by and picks them up, and they're distributed to homeless people. So that they have, you know, supplies of some uh, personal items and stuff like that. But it's the it's the pollution end of it that really is uh, yeah. is why they are they are hopefully going away. Anyway, hopefully in Hawaii they are out in the middle of the ocean. So who better than them to lead the way on this? The Delta CEO has asked the Department of Justice to help create the no-fly list for unruly passengers. Um, this makes a whole lot of sense. A Delta CEO wrote to the U.S. Attorney General um, asking that the nation's uh, chief law enforcement officer help create this list because each of the airlines has their own list, and there is some thought that, well, they can share the list, but the idea is that if, if you got on a Delta airplane and you caused a big enough fracas that they had to write you up and bar you from their, air, their aircraft, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be flying on United Delta, on Delta American Southwest, Qantas Spirit Frontier, or anybody else. Right, anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. And I think if that maybe was known ahead of time, perhaps that would help some of these folks make better decisions because um, – you know, if if you feel like you're only getting booted off of one aircraft, and the, so anyhow, it, it's it's a little more government oversight, which I'm sure will bother some people. Um, who's to say that they won't put somebody on that list who doesn't deserve to be there? Said the conspiracy theorist in me. Which national parks and monuments will require reservations in 2022? There are a number of them. Uh, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, we have posted a list. So if you're a National Parks traveler, uh, Muir Woods National Monument in California is the only one uh, in our state down in the Bay Area that is incredibly crowded in the summertime. So, um, But if you're planning some National Park adventures, these are truly all over the country. So go to TravelGuysRadio.com. There are some where you will need a reservation to get in 
this summer. And I'm going to suggest that that's a good thing because getting too many people in those really special places with traffic jams and stuff like that is, is just not – it's not appropriate. So having – controlling the number of people will make for a better experience for everyone. There you go. You know, I saw recently on a, a national broadcast uh, an ad for uh, for parks uh, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, uh, national parks and so forth. And it was well done, and it encouraged people to uh, go parking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so our words. national parks are truly one of our greatest assets. And it's amazing how many of them that people have not been to and how many of them... Uh, you know, like there's Lava Beds National Monument that's up in the northeast corner of the state that very, very few people go to. Whereas Muir Woods, um, you know, there are tour buses that take people there every day all summer long, not to mention the folks who drive in by car. And it's a it's a, a beautiful spot. So it's well worth visiting. But the idea of controlling the number of people that are there at any given time, I think, is is a good one, not only for Muir Woods, but for Zion Park and a lot of the others that are on this list here. TravelGuysRadio.com will tell you um, which parks, if you're visiting, you will need a reservation for. Two-thirds of the pre-pandemic jobs that remain lost were in the travel industry, is what the headline says. Hmm, mm-hmm. So impacted more going out and still impacted more. Um, jobs news has been good for a lot of industries, but for the travel industry, it not, not as much, of course, in some cases, the lack of demand or the lack of availability for people to make purchases has controlled the number of people that can work in any given place. But having traveled some, uh, having gone to Florida a week ago, I can tell you that just about every restaurant there, um, was working at pretty close to full capacity, uh, and, and didn't I, we didn't run into too many places where there were situations where people didn't have enough didn't appear to have enough help, but uh, anyways, uh, the travel industry is still a place that is kind of kind of lagging a little bit in recovery. I suspect that that will be a different story if COVID lifts its boot again um, for a few months. Well, but by the time we get to the summer, the travel industry will be back in full swing. Um, U.S. travelers most sought after spots for summer trips. Next week in the news on the Travel Guys. Um, Cancun <laughs> has dropped to the COVID alert level to yellow. Remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when this news segment was practically all COVID updates? And today it's practically all not COVID updates. Cancun is dropping theirs. Another A number of countries around the planet have dropped um, their levels or the requirements or have gone all the way to zero. So let's hope that there isn't another variant lurking out there that will cause chaos again. But for right now, it appears as though uh, some things are going to be easier to do and travel will be one of them. Frontier Airlines has made a big change in its baggage policy. And this is kind of interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. For years and years and years, you have been allowed to carry 50 pounds in a suitcase. So if you whether you paid for it or not, uh, whether you were on Southwest, you could carry you'd have two bags with 49 pounds apiece in them. And mm-hmm. if you were traveling on United and you were paying $35 or I think it's now $40 for a bag, you could bring 49 pounds, up to 50 pounds of luggage. Well, the discount carriers have been shaving that. Um, Spirit and Allegiant already have shaved it back to 40. Now Frontier Airlines is shaving it back to 40. So the capacity now for the weight limit is 40 pounds. Now, let me just tell you something. Um, having been in the travel business for a long time, having lifted a lot of people's bags onto that that weight scale at the airport as I assist them with check-in on both ends of the trip, a large percentage of bags 
weigh between 40 and 50 pounds, particularly on the return trip. Yes, they do. A large percentage of bags. So Mm -hmm. if you are flying Allegiant Spirit or Frontier now, make sure you know that it's 40 pounds. Because if you go to 50, if you're anything over 40 pounds, there's going to be a surcharge. And if you go over 50 pounds, there's an even bigger surcharge. So in the nickel and dime you airline division, Frontier Airlines sprints to the lead by dropping it down to 40 pounds. So just be careful if you're flying on some of those secondary airlines who are looking to get into your wallet every time you turn around. This is another way they're getting into your wallet. Is And, and I, I will be really surprised if the other carriers don't follow the main carriers. And I suspect that what they will tell us is, well, with fuel costs being what they are today, if we carry less weight, it'll cost us less money, and therefore it'll save you in the long run. And if you I believe... Was... Yeah, yeah, I was wondering where the where the uh, where the reasoning was going to come, you know, uh, because were they going to? It has to have that will be their excuse that it's going to save fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and 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 that that will save you money in the long run. And there's always be very careful, especially when the airlines are putting the, the what I call the diversion out there because that's just designed to get you to forget about the actual subject at hand. Um, we talked last week about airlines uh, that were allowing air, uh, alcohol to go back on the plane. Southwest Airlines now has joined the list of people that are going to allow people to drink again. This is just insane. It is absolutely insane. It probably was insane in the first place. If you want to drink on the plane... You know, the airline should be able to serve you a beverage, you know, one. I I guess maybe I could even live with two. But this idea of airlines making money by getting people soused on the planes. And here's another idea. Um, I tried to reach Rich Tomaselli, who wrote this uh, for Travel Pulse, and uh, and to get him on the program, because Rich's idea is that uh, bars and airports should hold some of this responsibility. And I absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with him. If a bar on the street is responsible, if you get too toasted and you go out and you run into somebody, you cause an accident and hurt or kill somebody, then the bar has some legal liability because they allowed you, you know, they perhaps knew that you weren't in condition and they allowed, they kept, they served you when they knew you were intoxicated. So a bar in an airport, what incentive, you know, it's, why should they cut you off? As long as you can find your gate, you're out of their hair, except that you're now into somebody else's hair. So I think that that Rich is on to something here with this article, and I would love to get him on the air to talk about it because I really believe that part of this could come from the airports. If people weren't as tanked when they got on the airplane then they and the airlines were doing something to limit the amount of alcohol consumed, then it's possible that we would not have as many of these situations in the sky. So this may be something that, that, that – Adult flyers can take care of. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll try to we'll try to reach the gentleman who yeah. who came up with that interesting idea. And finally, this is a story that is a week old. I didn't see it until yesterday. Did you hear about this, Tom? Apparently a lady gave birth over the Atlantic during a flight from Africa to the United States. Uh missed that one. <laughs> I didn't see it either. Um she went into labor on a flight that had departed uh Ghana and it was on the way to the United States, United Airlines flight nine ninety seven. It was an eleven hour flight. They'd been in the air six hours when the lady went into labor. Um and uh f- luckily for the mother, a physician, a nurse, and a United flight attendant who was a former nurse were on board the uh, Boeing aircraft and assisted her. So wow. um, baby was there. born in the air. 
um, perfectly healthy. And uh, mom and, and, and child were taken off, and the flight attendant said, what a pleasure it was to arrive with one beautiful, healthy passenger more than we left with. There you go. You know, and that uh, says a lot. I mean, what are the odds that you would board a plane with a fully stocked medical staff yeah. to deliver your to deliver your baby if you needed it? That, it has great. always amazed me, Tom, on airplanes. Frequently, it happens that there'll be a medical emergency, and they'll say, you know, if there's anybody on board who can assist with this, and almost every time there's somebody. Who or somebody's who who rise to the occasion? So good for those yeah. folks who well, who yeah, help I'm folks not, in the sky. There you go. I'm I'm not a doctor, but I always volunteer. <laughs> Great. I raise I raise my hand immediately. Great, ladies and gentlemen, that's your travel news for today. And we are the travel and entertainment guys. Some of the time, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And no, I would never I would never fake anything like that. To never mind. That, that never happened and never will. Yeah, there you go. Little Beach Boys. You were you were just there, weren't you, Mark? Well, kind of Key West, you know. That's kinda, yeah, that, a lot of, of that kind of music. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right. Uh, if you're just dialing in, we are Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, the uh, travel and entertainment guys every Sunday, 3 to 4. Right here on KFBK, also uh, uh, live and uh, on podcasts on iHeartRadio. Check us out at TravelGuysRadio.com. Everybody wants to get the lowest fare. Everybody. And those that do, they, they, they dial into this radio show. Mm-hmm. Well, so probably can... the, most, the, the most frequently <laughs> you know, advertised travel tip is we'll help you get the lowest airfare. And right. always be careful that, you know, that's not a private website because they're likely to be steering you to a particular place. Um, so here are some, some some ideas. And as you mentioned, uh, we, we talked at the top uh, in the headlines. There's one of them here I'd never heard of before. And I've been doing this for a while. So I was I, I was impressed that somebody had a list that uh, had a tip had I hadn't heard you- of. That you hadn't heard of or hadn't thought of on your own. No, never. Um, and it, it's a good one. It'll, we'll get to it in just a second here. Okay. First of all, the basics. Uh, fre- frequent flyers will know these. Know the right days of the week to fly. The cheapest days to fly are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. When we have an hour sometime, I'll explain to you why it's those three days. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. The most expensive days to fly are Monday, Friday, and Sunday, the days connected to the weekend. Monday, Friday, Sunday are the most expensive. Thursday is sort of neutral. So if you plan a trip Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, both directions, the chances of you saving significant money on your airfare, not counting if a holiday falls in there or something like that, but just on a normal calendar, that the fares are going to be cheaper. Uh, you look at when Southwest sends out their little sale announcements or different guys like that, almost always the days that they're talking about that are cheap are those Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturdays. So you want to also avoid peak times. Monday morning and Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon are the most expensive times to fly. So middle-of-the-day flights or late-in-the-day flights on those cheap days Best time to fly. Also, you're looking. You, you've got a little status on a carrier. You're looking to maybe get upgraded without having to pay for it. Then you want to look for those times that are a little lighter, especially lighter in business travelers. So that, those are a couple of things. Um, websites. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different low fare websites. I like Kayak. 
Um, I don't use low fare websites a whole lot because I married myself to United Airlines a long time ago. So I'm basically looking for the cheapest United ticket or Southwest ticket. Um, Also, here's the one that was a surprise to me. And this really makes sense. If you're flying within 21 days of departure when seats are starting to get scarce and you log onto the website and it says one ticket available at and you're looking for two tickets, buy one ticket at a time. Because when you buy one ticket, you'll get that last ticket in the fare bucket that's at the lower price. You'll probably pay more for the second one. If you enter that you want two tickets into the website, then the computer in many cases will skip over the one seat at the lower fare and say, well, I don't have two tickets available, so I'll go to the bucket where there are two fares available. Does that make sense, Tom? It does. It does. So, <laughs> Too much sense. Yeah. So if you, when you get in closer to departure and you see that one ticket available, now if it says two tickets available at this fare, then you're fine. But if it says one seat available at this price and you need more than one seat, buy one seat, get the lower price, and then buy another ticket. Maybe you'll get lucky and there'll be another fare in there at that at that price. But if it isn't, at least you will assure getting yourself the one lower priced fare. And that's I thought that was really a a top ten sort of tip. Um be as flexible as you can. If you're not flexible when you go to buy an airline ticket, if you have to go on this day at this time and come back on this day at this time, you've lost 95% of your chance for a better fare. So any amount of flexibility, neighboring airports, um, you know, Long Beach instead of Los Angeles, you're going to Fairfield, so Sacramento instead of San Francisco or Oakland, uh, sometimes those kinds of things can make a big difference. So anyway, that's kind of an updated short list of things. But remember those days of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, And remember to try to have a little bit of flexibility before you start your search. All right. Uh, The one that bothers me the most is when you see the lowest fare or uh, one of the better low fares, and it's the last flight of the day because you know know that's going to go badly. That's why you're getting it. Hey there, my friends. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you, the travel and entertainment guys. Hard to believe. Heard that liner there leading into the segment there, Mark. Uh, uh, KFBK has been on the air for a hundred years. Wow. Wow. That's that's a long time. Well, KFBK is still the emergency years. broadcast station in the area, right? Absolutely. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, it's you know, when, when you hear that thing on the radio that says, uh, if this has been an actual emergency, you would yeah. have been told where to tune to. Yeah, yeah this is well, where that, you would that turn be to. be there because, the, right, yeah, when I worked there, I always liked, used to think, well, what, what does that mean for me? <laughs> I'm here in the control room. Where am I? Where am I supposed to go? Under you're not under going the anywhere. Desk or something. You're you're you're, you're the one we leave <laughs> behind. Um, listen, we have um, before we get to our Amtrak interview uh, a little bit later on in the half hour here, and I hope you'll hang around for that. Um, we spoke one of our one of our very own staff members, um, Donnie Anderson, took off with her husband on a on two long distance Amtrak trains, and she had kind of a typical Amtrak experience. And she had some, and she's going to go again. She says she will do long distance train travel again. So anyway, if you're if you're a traveler of trains, then you will enjoy that interview in the second half of the half hour. And let's see here. Uh, All right, yeah, we, she's, 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 
glutton for punishment, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, now, now, now. Just Don't kidding. Give away the wait, for the, wait for the interview. Wait for Don't the interview. Give away the all end right, of the story. So uh, what's going What? All right. Go ahead. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, a couple of California tourist attractions that have fallen on hard times. And um, what happens to them is yet to be determined. One of them has gotten some good news. The Queen Mary, um, which has been uh, moored off of the uh, shore there in Long Beach for, gosh, what is uh, close to 50 years now. Um, the old ship is, is, it's a bucket of bolts. And we talked about this in a previous story here on the Travel Guys. And uh, the, the company that was leasing the ship and operating it filed for bankruptcy protection. Uh, and now it's back to being the, the city of Long Beach is in charge now. They have agreed to a $5 million repair project uh, to reopen the Queen Mary to the public um, to try to keep her afloat. There is some concern that she could sink. In the harbor, that would be especially depressing if you were sleeping on board at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, no, the, yeah, it'd be a bad dinner experience. Yeah, it absolutely would. Yeah. Um, the other one is uh, so the Queen Mary for now has a, a new lease, a temporary at least new lease on life. Um, the interesting thing, Tom, is that people would say, "Well, why would a city be interested in pumping five million dollars at a time?" into an old ship that probably this is not the last $5 million that it's going to need. Well, it's a, it operates as a hotel, and also there's retail space on board the ship. So there are hotel taxes that come back to the city um, in big numbers. So it is mm-hmm. in their interest from an investment standpoint, if they can spend less money than they take in to keep the, uh, uh, the Queen Mary operating, at least from a hotel standpoint. Um, we want to talk also about Roaring Camp Railroad. This is up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and this one is really complicated. But what it really kind of amounts to is that um, there are a lot of different rules for railroads. The Roaring Camp Railroad up in the mountains is connected to a line that runs down to Watsonville. And because it's a through line and it's an active track, it's considered to be an active train route. So you can't mm-hmm. take any part of it out. And there are some people down in that area who would really like to see part of that train route that isn't in use right now, that's outside of the Roaring Camp area, to be the, the tracks and trestles to be taken out, and it be turned into like a bikeway and walking paths and things of that sort. So they've gotten some people installed in government who can take care of that for them. And now comes the battle with the train people who are trying to say, look, um, you're using a technicality that will kind of put us out of business because the freight that runs up those tracks right now comes up to our the other end for us and a few other vendors up here. And it saves us a tremendous amount of money, allows us to operate the railroad. Without that, we may not be able to operate Roaring Camp Railroad. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if we can give you an update down the road. Speaking of updates down the road, um, Crystal Cruise Lines, we've been talking about for several weeks. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're out of business. And uh, they say they'll be back in business at the end of April. I think maybe not so much. Here's the headlines. Crystal Symphony, Crystal Serenity, seized by U.S. authorities. We talked about how uh, a a vendor with an unpaid fuel bill of over a million dollars was waiting for one of those ships to dock so they could take uh, possession of the ship in return for the money that they were owed. So the ship went to the Bahamas. Well, um, on Friday night last... The uh, U.S. authorities showed up with arrest warrants, and they have taken possession 
of two Crystal Cruise Line ships, which is just really extraordinary because this is one of the best cruise lines on the planet. I mean, they have a reputation for really delivering a top-notch product, and to see this all end the way it is is really a mess. And there are stories. Gwen sent me a copy of one here. Um, I don't know if I have time to share all of it with you, but uh, it's, it's some people describing their last, their leaving of the ship, they had to go to a ferry boat where they waited two hours. Uh, the ferry took two more hours, another hour to get the luggage off the ferry um, to get back to the United States. No Crystal Cruise Lines reps anywhere, no organization to the luggage drop, um, no transportation to the hotels, no reservations at the hotels for many of the people who were on board the ships. So um, fortunately, the ships are home now, and most of that is over. But it remains to be seen whether Crystal Cruise Lines will be able to return in any form. And the thing is, Tom, with all of these stories about, you know, the things that happen to people when they go off the ships, that's going to make it that much harder to resume business. Yeah, I, I would think so. So by all intents and purposes, the ships have been arrested. Yes, the the ships have been confiscated for debts that are are owed to uh, folks. Also, one other thing I want to mention here quickly, at TravelGuysRadio.com, you can find an entire list of this. But there is a traveler's tax. We're talking about traveler's taxes. We always talk about resort fees and stuff like that, additional dings to travelers. And traveler's taxes are becoming more common. Um, Thailand has announced that a $9 tourism fee starting in April. Uh, Venice, of course, we've talked about it before, between 3 and 10 euros, depending on uh, the number of people in town that day. Norway is reintroducing an airport passenger tax for foreign travelers. Belize is, is on this list. Japan is adding a tax. So um, these are more and more countries are taking advantage of, of tourists and saying, well, you know, you need to help pay for some of the infrastructure that we use here. Of course, the, the tourists also pay money on a lot of other taxes, hotels and the like. So it's a push and pull back and forth all the time. I don't know exactly where the balance is, but the list of countries charging tourist taxes is increasing. Hey there, Tom and Mark, the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Don't forget uh, links to our special guests and more at TravelGuysRadio.com. And uh, joining us today, one of my favorite, uh, well, they're all favorites to me, all the wonderful folks at uh, Sports Leisure Vacations. Be careful. You get yourself into big trouble you can't get out of. (laughs) That escort folks on uh, wonderful trips. Donnie, welcome to the Travel Guys. Glad to have you back. Good afternoon. So uh, Sports Leisure staff member Donnie Anderson took off on an adventure with her husband on Amtrak. And it turned out to be quite an adventure. And I thought since we haven't talked a whole lot about Amtrak on the program recently that your observations and stuff for the long-distance trains would be kind of interesting. You left from Sacramento. I did. And you took – you went with your husband? Yes. Yes. Um, left the boyfriend at home, took the husband. <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> oh, man. Now it's out. <laughs> yeah, now the word's all the way out. Now only, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people around town now. And you went to Chicago. Uh, Zephyr goes to Chicago. Yes. And then you came back to Chicago to Seattle, also on the train. Yes. On the Empire Builder. Yes. And we decided we wanted to do that to see the different parts of the country uh-huh. one way and then the other. My whole uh, 
idea behind this was I wanted to go and well, Jeff gets vacations in uh, the winter. Uh, so I wanted to see snow, mm-hmm. which I did. And now you can say that you've been to North Dakota, which is, you know, a lot of people can't. That's like the state that's they're missing. True. We did like, I think it turned out to be 14 states in wow. that week's time. Wow. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a week. So the Zephyr takes a couple days to get to Chicago. I'm assuming Correct. you had a, a sleeper, some type of sleeping accommodation mm-hmm. on the train. Mm-hmm. So how did that all work out for those folks who are out there who are thinking about a, a long-distance Amtrak thing? How was, how was the accommodations? Could you sleep well on the train? Was it noisy? Was it quiet? You know, I mean, compare it to a, a hotel. The first off, we, you know, I upgrade, you know, I upgraded on the way over from a roomette to a sleep, uh, to a bedroom, okay. which I would highly recommend, you know, even for a single person because the roomettes are very small. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bedroom was able to, you know, we were comfortable. It was fine, you know, to just be, be in that. Um, we were, the train was four hours late coming out of Emeryville to start. Okay. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's- the Zephyr starts just down the road it in Emeryville. It starts on the road. And it was four hours late? It was four hours oh. late. My guess is when, when we finally got moving, um, they told us, uh, got on board, the um, attendant came and said, okay, welcome aboard. Um, by the way, um, sorry about the delay. By the way, we don't have the observation car today, this trip. So that's a big disappointment. So yeah. um, I guess my guess was that there was something wrong with that car. So they left it behind. Um Anyway, so, you know, the rest of the trip went well. You know, we, the dining car was open, which I was happy about. Um, on the so way how over was to- the food? Food was... Um, I mean, is it all like... It's, it's, it's like pre-prepared microwave stuff, right? But it doesn't... See, it's better. I mean, you know, it is. Mm-hmm. They don't prepare it on board, but um, it was presented nicely. It, it wasn't dried out. You know, it was very... It was good meals. You it know, was they, edible. It was very... Yeah, it was better, you know, yeah. than... Um, Maybe a little better than edible. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I'm just trying yes. to. I'm just trying to gauge this on the Mark Hoffman scale right, here. Right. You know. Yeah, it was good. Okay. I think you would have liked it. So, so you didn't um, starve to death. No, we did not. And there, are there any other concessions available on the train? There is that snack car for the coach passengers. So there's two uh, different places that you can. Yes. Eat. You made it to Chicago a little bit late. You stayed a little while in Chicago. We um, had to only. We were planning to stay two nights, uh-huh. but the train schedule changed on us, so we ended up having to um, re- reschedule and stay only one night instead. So we had less than forty-eight hours, in, uh, twenty-four hours in Chicago. Okay, it was super cold. It was like three degrees when we left the train. When we walked out of the building, we we're like, "It's three degrees. It's freezing." Anyway, Chicago was nice. We stayed in a nice um, uh, property there, and then got back on the train. So we left the next day at 2 o'clock, and I was really happy because that was the start of the whole trip. I thought, okay, great, no delays. Yeah. <laughs> and we did live on time. Um, uh, however, we got about 100 miles outside of uh, Chicago on our way to um, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were riding along, and just there was, there was a whole lot of noise and everything. And what ended up happening was the train technically derailed. Oh, man. Fortunately... We were going at a slower, you know, we weren't going as fast. Uh-huh. So there was some, they stopped and there was some delay on try, them trying to figure out what was going on. So you had a delay in, in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and then you got rolling again um, off through, you know, off through Wisconsin. And then there's that really scenic North Dakota section. Which we missed. Which you missed because you were, because <laughs> yes. you were, the time was different. So you're. Yes. And, and when I said scenic North Dakota, I was kind of being a little bit sarcastic because um, it's, it's pretty much plains. And yeah. when you get snow on the plains, they mm-hmm. pretty much all look. It's like corn in Iowa in the summertime. You know, you've seen one cornfield. You've 
pretty that much seen we all. saw a lot. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> one way. Okay. So um, between the Zephyr and the Empire Builder, which one had the better service? Do you think? Which was the better experience? I thought maybe the delay aside, I uh, the crew. I think the um, Empire Builder mm-hmm. was. Um, was better. They're both the same. They're not really much different. The food was going to be the same. Uh-huh. We did lose the dining car on the Empire you lost Builder. The dining car. Yeah, they had to leave that behind because that was the, one of the train the cars that derailed. So great. They just kind of told us, "Well, look, we, we don't have the dining car." <laughs> great, great. The, the good news is we're back on the track. The bad news is we have nothing to eat between. Car. North Dakota and Seattle. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, the crew did a great job because what they had to do was phone ahead. Right. In whatever towns that were going to, you know, that we could actually, you know, stop. And so the first night, uh, well, they called for pizza in Milwaukee, which was cold. <laughs> and then they, we, you know, we ended up having like Costco, you know, continental breakfasts. Uh-huh. They ran, you know, in Milwaukee, they went and got some stuff at Costco. We had that twice. We had a, you know, a Subway sandwich. Sandwiches and for dinner, I think we had a Dave's barbecue lunch uh, dinner, which was actually a very big, you know, box dinner. Thomas, yeah, I, I just I'm having this vision of uh, of a train, you know, going along and and, and food trucks <laughs> <laughs> driving at the same speed. My vision was them pulling in, you know, at Jack in the Box and saying, you know, we want um, 277 two taco specials. That too. <laughs> That's exactly Boy. what I mean. I can imagine the pizza place. You know, I mean, it's like what you want? How many? How many yeah. boxes? You know, amazing. Um, well, okay, pizza, so. you got it. The show has to go on. So yeah, you survived. So scenery wise, what I mean, you're, you're, the schedule is all kind of. You know, you were in the daytime. You were in places you were supposed to be in the night, mm-hmm. and the nighttime you were supposed to be in places mm-hmm. that you were during the day. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you, scenery wise, along Colorado. the way? Colorado. Going through Colorado, uh-huh. um, it was the it just yes, um, along the river and all that. It was just beautiful. We saw a lot of wildlife, a lot of wildlife. Um, so we got that. That was just really nice. So um, that's just about the only thing really. But it was really pretty. It was it was very beautiful. Going what made along. you take this trip? We I wanted to see the country in a different way. I, I always wanted to do um, the train on a sleeper car, mm-hmm. um, in a sleeper car, and experience that. Um, that wasn't in itself, you know, a bad thing. You know, are you and your husband still speaking to each other? We are still speaking to each <laughs> well, other, so which that, is a miracle. So that worked out really well. Is there anything that you would, as we wrap this up, what would is there anything you would suggest to folks who are thinking about taking a long distance train trip that might be words of wisdom to them? Don't be in a rush to get somewhere. And first, we, first, Tom, first rule about Amtrak. <laughs> is now, and I shouldn't be laughing. I, I, the Amtrak people are really nice people, and they have a lot of a, a lot of things to deal with that make their job challenging. But yes, yes, it's the it's the bring your patience uh, trip. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's that F word again. It's oh, the flexibility yeah. I was going to say that. You know, on Gotta the travel be- guys, you guys talk about that F word a lot, and you just need to have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of was a little bit more understanding about what was, you know, especially about the meals things because, you know, I know these things because of working here. So, yeah, you're a tour director. So I'm so. a little bit more, you know, understanding about that. So, I was, you know, we were grateful that we had, you know, decent food, you know, that they figured out how to get to us and everything. So... So um, Jeff was really awesome about it. He's like, he just kept looking at the good. And so, you know, while I'm not going to, you know, rush and, you know, jump on a three-day train ride anytime real soon, but we're going to do it again. 
you know, we're going to continue doing it because it was a really great way to just relax, unwind, just, you know, uh, be able to enjoy seeing the country. Yeah. Versus yeah. driving well, and riding, you know. Okay, back to my recommendation thing. Anything that, that you that you didn't do oh. that you would do next time if you were going on a long-distance Amtrak? Did you forget, you know, like the nightgown or the, you know, you know I'm just no, randomly uh, looking for things just here. Just bring your patience. Just bring, you know, uh, <laughs> just be flexible. No, um, and um, the accommodations are small, you know, not like hotel room, you know, my preference after this, because we did stay in, you know, you know, hotel in Chicago and Seattle, I look back and I said, you know, I really much prefer staying at a hotel. You know, I enjoy that comfort, mm-hmm. you know, while the sleeping cars, you know, it was, it was yeah, kind of like camping, would you say? You know, a little bit better because, you know, camping. <laughs> a little bit better than camping. You had a shower in the car? We had a shower in the car. Ah. We did. For the bedrooms, they do have a little tiny, small in a phone booth, shower, toilet combination thing, uh-huh. which which works. Yeah. And you, you always have the freedom to go downstairs to the bigger, more common shower. Well, Donnie, um, thank you for Welcome. a little bit of first-person Amtrak experience. It's not too different, I don't think, from mm-hmm. what other people have Reported over the years, Amtrak has a hard time, like I said, for lots of reasons that we won't take the time to go into here, uh, freight and all other things that they have to deal with. But uh, the schedules, you, you, you have to be flexible. Don't plan to get on an airplane two hours after your Amtrak train arrives because that's Correct. probably not going to happen. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you. When you do another, yes? I was going to just suggest one thing for those who are considering you know, Amtrak. Um, what I did was I went on YouTube. And watched mm-hmm. a lot of videos, so I kind of knew what mm-hmm. to expect with the you know with the be- you know with the bedroom and that whole mm-hmm. train experience, um, and just hoping that you know things were going to be the same, especially this day and age. So what a good idea, a yeah. way to to, to kind of homework your yeah. is to use YouTube and people are doing pictures. Probably TikTok might be a place sure. where you could. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Good idea. I, I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing your your experience and and next you know when you go out and do the next one. Then we're going to expect you to come back and, you know, make a comparison. Then you'll be an Amtrak professional. By I'd love to. All right. Donnie Anderson of Sports Leisure Vacations with us here on the Travel Guys. You know, just hearing you say TikTok is, cracks me up. <laughs> You're an old guy. That's what that proves. There there's, a lot there of stuff on, there's a lot of stuff on TikTok. If you go over there, trust me, you'll be there for hours or days or never be heard from a, again. Oh, yeah. Next week on The Travel Guys, uh, we are going to have a story talking about how younger generations are leading the niche travel market. Um, how they're, 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 they're tacking on to things like spa vacations and things like that. And that's becoming the driving force behind how they make their vacation selection. So we're going to talk about that, um, next, next week. A little bit different than previous generations have done. All right. All right. Okay. We're just about, uh, Wrapping it up here on the Travel Guys. Want to thank you so much for coming along. Mark, uh, good luck on your uh, hip replacement surgery. Thank you, sir. Uh, you make sure that uh, you, you put a little X on the on the hip that you want it done on. Yes, sir. Want... Okay. Remember, dance like nobody's watching, and we'll talk to you next week on the Travel Guys. <laughs>